Hello swimmers and welcome to Torpedo Swim Talk. Today's guest is five-time FINA world record holder and at 87 years of age, the young at heart, Patrick Galvin. Hi, Pat. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Danielle. It's nice to talk to you. Yeah, it's lovely to have you on. I'm so pleased we've got we've got you here and everyone listening can hear about your um, wonderful and inspiring story. Um, what what made, motivated you to get into master swimming? Well, I had swum before when I was young and then yes. didn't swim for many, many years. And we were living in Brisbane and I happened to read the newspaper that there was this event called the World Masters Games was going to be held in Brisbane. And I said to my wife, I should do that. You know, I could do well in the swimming, I said, bragging. And she <laughs> said, yes, and she kept encouraging me. And so I thought, I thought about it and I inquired and then I entered uh, and I entered the breaststrokes and the backstroke. And I thought, oh, well, I better train because I hadn't swum other than social swimming and family swimming for years. So I went out to Chandler Pool and uh, started to kid myself that I was training, uh, which eventually led to my doing several 50 metres backstrokes. For some reason, I found that incredibly easy to do, to start off the blocks, push off, swim 25, and then manage to last the last bit. But, you know, I was a breaststroker. I knew how to swim breaststrokes. I'd do well. So yes. come the day, and my first events of the breaststroke is a 100-metre breaststroke, and we lined up and I'm thinking, what am I doing with all these old men? You know, there <laughs> I was, 64, and I thought, I'll do well here. Well, did I get a shock? I, I think I came seventh in the 100 breast, and I couldn't get over it. They were so fast relative to the time I'd put in. Yeah. So I thought, oh, well, you know, I had a try. So I kept going and I swam my 50 back and fluked second. Well, fluked isn't right, relatively speaking. I, I swam a good 50 back and all those 25s that I'd swum in training worked out. So there I was. I'd won the silver medal. I got it engraved. Uh, handed over by a councillor from the city council, went home and said, I got a silver medal, look, everyone, and, you know, showed it. <laughs> and I said to Lenore, well, that's that, you know, I've done that. And she said, you're not going to do any more. And I said, no, this is over. I've finished with swimming. Um, you know, I'll do other things. And she said, oh, you ought to do it for fitness. You ought to keep going out to Chandler and so I did. And then I bumped into a couple of chaps from uh, that I'd met during the games and they kept encouraging me to train. Come and join our squad, they said. You know, they're <laughs> all people our age. And I said, no, 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 no. I said, I can't, I won't, I'm too old to take direction. But, um, and they said, oh, you'd be all right. <laughs> Six months later, they eventually convinced me to, to come and have a run with their squad with a former Commonwealth Games swimmer was the coach. It was, well, you know, a private squad. Yeah. yeah. And she and I had some experience. Uh, Jen Thomason, who became an outstanding uh, master's swimmer. She was she got a bronze in the Commonwealth Games as a medley okay. swimmer. She was a very good distance swimmer and a very good uh, breaststroker. And um, so I went with her and then I joined a very small club. They only had about 15 members used to train once a week with them and then you'd go and have coffee and hand out the notices and hear what was on next. And so I became a master swimmer. Uh, and my very first year, which was by then, uh, 1996, I, they said one Saturday morning that they were all going to Sheffield in England. And I said, what for? And they said, the FINA World Championships for Masters. And I said, I went home and Lenor, I told Lenore and she said, you want to go? And I said, oh, money. And she said, frequent flyer points I've got. So <laughs> off I went to Sheffield and, again, that business that they were all too fast. But I, they gave medals to 10 and I fluked one medal in the 50 breast. I came 10th. 
So that okay. was my first experience internationally with master swimming. So that, that's how I started master swimming. I had swum, as I said, when I was young, but I stopped doing that at age mm, 21, having finished already at age 16. But, you know, you come back and you do, do it again. But um, once I didn't have a coach again, as I was in, as I had when I was very young, um, it was just too much. People were too good. And perhaps I wasn't good enough anyhow. What, what level did you reach sort of in your younger years? Uh, well, the, the nationals in those days, would, I was a state champion, a state record holder in South Australia. They, and the nationals were divided into two, all held together. The juniors were under 16 and then the seniors were the adult swimmers, the swimmers over 16. I uh, swam as a junior at the nationals in Brisbane and then I swam at the nationals in, in Adelaide as, a, as an adult at 21. Um, I was a bit unlucky as a kid because I was swimming breaststroke and I was swimming breaststroke with recovery under the water. The first three swimmers in the 50-metre breaststroke that I swore, 100 perhaps, whatever it was that I swam in Brisbane, they all swam recovering over the water, you know, a butterfly oh. breaststroke, which was allowed, and yes. I finished fourth. Okay. <laughs> then um, in um, 1955, I swam, I won the 200 breast in the state championships and then swam at the nationals but they were too fast they were all preparing for the olympic games in the following year and uh, there i was again kidding myself that i could swim without a coach but it just doesn't work no, no so you know that's where, my, <laughs> that's where my swimming came from i'd swum when young and then found master swimming one of the greatest things to happen to me Oh, I agree. What, what do you love about it so much? Oh, I think the fact that it's all ages, all adult ages, that uh, you are just all swimmers, that there is no judgment made about anything else. You're swimmers and there's not much judgment made about that. You make your own judgments, you and the clock, and uh, you're all happy for each other when someone does well. Let yes. me tell you a story. In uh, in my second year of master swimming, I, and I knew I couldn't understand and didn't understand this business of age groups and things, but I knew that I was in this age group, but I didn't realise that the younger you were in the age group, the more likely you are to go faster than the rest. So I swam at the Nationals in the last year of my age group in Sydney, and I was drawn in the 50 breast with a guy called Tony Goodwin from Sydney, who I didn't know. He didn't know me. But we were drawn with the same entered time and in adjoining lanes, uh, barely spoke to each other uh, at, in marshalling, <laughs> went, stood on the blocks, take him out, go, off we go. He comes up slightly ahead of me, and that's how we went all the way down the pool, and he touched and then I touched. He turned round and he looked at the results board and said, Oh, hooray, I've broken the state record, Queen New oh, South okay. Wales, you see. And I said, yay, I've broken it too, Queensland <laughs> record. <laughs> and that, at that stage, was the height of our expectations, that we'd break a state record. You know, wow. some years <laughs> later, each of us have broken world records and world each records. of us have, have won world championships. So yes. you know, my advice to all swimmers coming to it, you know, in the second life effectively is don't give up because you never know what's going to happen. That's that's very good advice, definitely. Let's let's have a bit of a talk about your FINA um, world records. How many Masters world records have you got? I've got none right now, but I had five. You, have, you had five, that's right. Yes, yes. and I'll... I've achieved five uh, world records. I've, I've just looking up before we came on air, I've won 15 gold medals, both uh, individual and relay. Yes. And um, 
of those 15, nine are individual. And uh, they were not all for breaststroke. Um, three of them were for butterfly. And one of my proudest achievements um, a couple of years ago at Guangzhou in Korea was to win again the 50 fly, which meant that in three age group um, world masters championships, I'd won the 50 fly. And as I had then also won a third 50 breaststroke in different age groups, that again, I thought was pretty good. But the fly, given that I'm not a fly swimmer, uh, was, you know, it just brought home to me that the things you can do when you set your, if you're a swimmer or any athlete, when you set your mind to do it and you train for it. And on each of those occasions, I'd set my mind to, um, to do well in the 50 fly. I couldn't do well beyond that in fly, but a little bit of caginess and a little bit of hard training and specific training meant that it worked. Yes. What, what kind of specific training did you do for both of those swims? Well, for the, the breaststroke, I did conventional training because I was swimming the 50, the 100 and the 200. Okay. Um, and my, my aim there really was the 100. Uh, I had won the 50 fly in Perth at the, at the Worlds, but thereafter and in the last few years, I've become a 100 swimmer. And I, I said to someone only the other day, one of the things about the 100 with the breast is that you go down controlled and beautiful swimming and fast, but not too fast. You turn, you're on top of the world. You come out, do one stroke, and suddenly it all hurts. And you wonder yes. why on earth you're doing it and your legs are hurting <laughs> and it's burning. But if you don't feel that after you've turned, then you haven't gone down fast enough. But you can't go down too fast, but you must be able to feel that pain coming back and then you're with it and you can fly all the way, go all the way home. So that's 100. And for the 100, the important thing was to have... Um, press yourself over 100 metres and know where you're going to be each part of the swim. The 50 yes. fly is a different thing. And uh, to that, I must commend uh, Sharon Newstead, who's nowadays the head coach of the Malvern Marlins Masters Swimming Club, because uh, she and I worked hard to take me to Montreal to swim the 50 fly because I'd had a knee replacement in the December and yes, the, right. the surgeon had said to me that I'd never again swim breaststroke with the same intensity. Well, he was saying to an extent that I never again swam up to the same times, but I was able to swim it five years later and break a world record in the new age group. But back to the fly, yes. <laughs> Sharon and I, sat down and worked out whether I should swim it with a breaststroke kick or a dolphin kick. After a few goes at all that and a few sessions, we both agreed that I'd probably do better with a, given that I had my knee problem, with a sort of mixed up sort of kick that it didn't matter much whether it was half of one and half the other. And we used to, did it with a time clock, swim it over 12 and a half, swim it over 25, see which were the better times settle on what it would be, and then work our way. And in those three months or more, all we did was, I never swam more than 50 metres fly, or most of the time it was 12 and a half and 25 and then 37 and a half, where you just worked to at a pace, you could swim it, you could swim it. We also worked out how many breaths and when to take them. So that you might do you might do five from the start, or you might do four. We settled on four, then breathe, then three, then two, two, and then you come back to it. And then you, once you're the flags are in sight, you put your head down and never breathe again. So it was a fascinating <laughs> exercise in just training for one event over one distance. Particularly, you can do it for fifty, and. Uh, it worked. I won the um, the 50 fly and I swam the fly and the relay and that was gold too. 
Yeah, that's a that's a great piece of advice and great success story. And very interesting yes. that you you were able to move from your comfortable breaststroke into butterfly. So that's um that's really something for all our listeners to um, listen into because master swimmers have a lot of injuries. I mean, I, I don't think I've ever been to a training session where someone hasn't said they've got a sore shoulder or a sore knee or whatever it is. And some of us have, have got heart problems and all those kind of things, but it's a way of getting over it and working around it, isn't it? Well, in my case, I have a heart condition. I had a heart attack in 2004. Uh, I've got a stent inside my heart. Um, as well as that, I've got the knee replacement and I've got several other ailments that um, I won't go into, but which are those of old age and gentlemen. Uh, but, you know, you you tend, oh, and I've had shoulders and I've got uh, osteoarthritis in the hands and the shoulders. But somehow or other through uh, physiotherapy, through medication, and I guess through pure bloody-mindedness, you push on because yes. the the joy of swimming uh, and the social advan adva advantages of it are such that you don't want to give it up. No. The, uh, the cardiologist said to me after the heart attack once, uh, you know, when I went back for my first review, he said, uh, now I notice here that you swim. That's very good. Swimming is very good for the health. And then he kept going on about that and I thought I'd better tell him what sort of swimming it was <laughs> and I mentioned the word competition and he nearly fell off his seat and he was very cross with me and he told me I should give it up and I suggested to him that if I gave swimming up that I may not be able to visit him again in six months time because I may have gone at um, <laughs> so much an important part of my life it was and then yes. he and the uh, the good people at the rehab, uh, cardiac rehab at Caulfield, we agreed, this was after six months wearing a heart rate monitor and keeping my heart rate below 130, my max heart rate, that we all agreed that having a max heart rate as a measure was not necessarily the best in this situation, rather how quickly I would recover after effort and so it didn't matter very much how what the maximum heart rate was that I pushed as long as I could recover within a couple of minutes. And so that became the, um, the guideline. And for the most part, it's worked. I've only had perhaps over the last 15 years, it's probably only been five occasions when I've pushed it too hard and my heart rate wouldn't come down. And then I know it will eventually come down, but the yes. good officials on the on the pool deck, they don't know that. All they can <laughs> see is that I've gone white instead of my usual pink colour and that, <laughs> um, and that I'm, my heart's not, my breath's not coming back. And so I have all sorts of people running around and getting chairs and <laughs> glasses of water and worry, but eventually it comes back. But uh, it's there. Those things are there for all of us. Yes, yes. I, I wanted to I wanted to mention to to everyone that's listening that, and I hope you don't mind me mentioning this, Pat, that you are no. eighty seven, and at eighty seven two weeks ago, you were the oldest competitor at the Portsea Swim Classic, which is a one point five kilometer ocean race. How do you feel when you're out in the ocean swimming with not many people around you? Well, uh, as far as the Portsea swim was concerned. It was a beautiful day. The water was uh, warmish, you know, it wasn't cold. And my wetsuit is very aged. In fact, it's probably more a surfing suit than a modern day wetsuit. So I felt the water, but I enjoyed feeling it. And I just toddled along. Look, with a maximum age of 70 plus, there's no way someone 87 is going to win anything so that my objective was to finish the course and not hurt myself. So I swam along and every now and then had a little breather. Um, one stage I took a little breather, you know, so I stopped, the head was up, I took a few breaths 
and a guy on a surf ski came over and said, mate, mate, you all right? And I said, it's all right, I'm just having a rest. And he said, come and have a rest on this. And I said, no, I'm not having a rest on that. <laughs> so I swam on and I swam at breaststroke throughout because, you know, one of those pride things we all have. When I first yes. swam an open water swim here in Melbourne back, uh, oh, well, I've done something like 18 lawn swims, so it's about, say, 18 years ago, uh, I swam breaststroke because that was what I swim and I thought that's the best way to get through this. So then as a matter of pride, I've kept swimming breaststroke in all the open waters. I never win anything, but it's, but it's a lovely thing and it's become one of those bragging things that you, you know, you have when you get older. Somewhat, you say to someone who doesn't know swimming, oh, I did the Portsea or the Lawn Pier to Pub, and I say, oh, did you? And I say, oh, yes. And I say, and I, then I say after a big pause, and I swam breaststroke. Wow, you know, they say breaststroke, oh. And then I just quietly smile as if this happens every day, which I guess <laughs> <laughs> when you consider how we train, it does happen every day. But no, yes. I'll, be, I'll be 88 in a couple of months' time and uh, look forward to swimming for quite a few years yet. Oh, I think so. I think so. I, I can't ever imagine any of us giving up swimming. I think it's such a great sport to take into um, your later years, isn't it? Yes, it is. And as I said at the beginning, one of the great advantages, one of the great things of it is that it's people of all varying ages, men and women, and you're just swimmers and you're friends and that uh, there is a great mutual respect uh, each for the other. And as I said earlier, it's great, wonderful. When any of us do well, we're also proud and pleased. Yes. I wanted to have a bit of a talk about, um, I know you're a member at Melbourne Marlins in Melbourne, but I know you spend a bit of time in South Africa at a swimming club over there. Tell us about yes. that. Well, my wife is um, almost 20 years younger than me, and so she's still working. Uh, she's okay. an academic uh, and a very senior academic with great respect all around the world. And she's presently in the employment of the University of the Witzwatersrand in Johannesburg. And she goes over there for six months of the year uh, in broken periods. And some years ago, she said to me that I should come and I didn't want to go to South Africa. I'd read all in the newspapers about violence. And uh, also I wasn't all that enamoured about meeting people who'd uh, been through the apartheid system, especially those who were white during that period. Yes. But she got in touch with a master swimming club and discovered that their nationals national championships were on at about the time she was going over. And so she convinced me to go. And uh, I swam at their nationals and did quite well. And they looked after us very well. And so the next year I went again and was held out in another place in a town not far from Cape Town. And again, you know, we were accommodated with that club swimmers, the Wahoo Club, and uh, they were just so kind to us. And, again, we joined in the social side. The following year I said to Lenore that I think I should join the club rather than just be swimming as an Australian, as a guest. So uh, I joined the Wahoo and uh, have swum now at 10 of their Masters Championships, National Championships, with some success. And... Um, Indeed, at the last one, which was just last year, and we just got out before it was total lockdown here in Australia, I swam at the Nationals and I received uh, a swimming bag with my name on it for 10 national championships. Um, so we've both enjoyed it. I've enjoyed swimming with chums in Johannesburg. I've been, the club has been very good to me. And... Uh, I hope in some small way from points that I gained for them that I've returned that to the to the Wahoo Club. 
Yes. I should also add one other small thing. Yeah. Um, When I first swam there, I broke a couple of their national records and uh, they have a system where in in the list of records, if you're an overseas swimmer, you're not eligible for the record, but there's a little asterisk down the bottom that says that Joe Bloggs from the USA or Patrick Galvin from Australia um, broke the record in such and such a time. Uh, It's a bit like an all-comers note. Anyhow, uh, I also got marks or points in a thing called the colours. You know, they award South African colours to swimmers if they if their times at the Nationals are within the top ten of the FINA world. And so, you know, that very first and second presentation nights, I was called out to come up with the group of people who were being awarded points towards the colours. I said to them that I felt embarrassed to do that. That's South African for Nationals, you know, not for blow-ins like me. Anyhow, I joined the Wahoo Club and uh, for a year or two that didn't happen. My times were good enough. And then suddenly I start getting called out for the colours and I made it a point and they'd already, because of what I'd started to do as a Wahoo, they'd already changed the record business so that people like me couldn't get records anymore and I agreed entirely with that. Yes. Um, but I was still getting called out for the colours. So I said to the president of the South African Master Swimming that, you know, I feel embarrassed. I feel that it should be for people from the nation. And so it was changed. But what I didn't know is that it hadn't been changed quick enough. So the following nationals, I get called up again and I get awarded my colours and I oh. get the blazer pocket and the badge and everything. Uh-huh. And I, as I went up, I said to the president, as he shook my hand, I said, you know, I'm not eligible for this. You know, I said this quietly. He said, yes, now bugger off. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, and then uh, I spoke to the secretary and they said, look, you were eligible at the time that we've changed it now and it won't happen for the future. But take it and be proud. So I yes. said, I am very proud. Yes. So there, I've enjoyed swimming there and hopefully I'll swim there again. Yes, let's hope we can get on top of all this COVID uh, business, both here and in South Africa, so that you can go back. Yes, and it's been very hard coming back into the water. I mean, enjoyable, but uh, to get fit again has been uh, pretty difficult. Yes. What what did you find yourself doing over the lockdown period? Uh, well, Lenore and I would walk each morning for the uh, allowed hour and we yes. found ourselves uh, uh, progressively walking within our 5K area uh, about six kilometres and uh, that was pretty, pretty stepping it out. So we were very pleased with that. In fact, we did one this morning to sort of get back into it again. Uh, we'd do that and we were doing and still are doing Zoom yoga and Pilates classes. And interestingly, oh, nice. I'm, we're doing those with our South African teacher. Um, oh, okay. Cause, yeah, because she's doing it for people in lockdown over there. So we just chime in and uh, it's a lovely way of catching up with people, often better than if you're going to a class because you go to a class, put your mat down, do the class, bye-bye everyone and you're off. With this, you've got to zoom in, say some work, talk to people as you're getting connected. And then she always says that, you know, anyone who wants to talk, we can stay on for a few minutes afterwards. So, no, we've enjoyed that and it's a good class and both my wife and I admire, respect and love the teacher, so it's great. So that sort of that training and walking were the two we did. And certainly as a... As a human being of my age, that was very good fitness. Yes, yeah, absolutely. I think a lot of people enjoyed a little bit of a different type of exercise during that time. You know, a lot of people I've spoken to have said um, how much they've enjoyed their dry land training, but it is also just amazing to be back in the water, isn't it? Yes, it is. And I, as you know, I swim for training not only with the Marlins but also with... uh, 
a woman, Aida Tijuite, and uh, who's been my breaststroke coach for the last, well, since 2013. Uh, in fact, I went to, it's a bit like with uh, Sharon Newstead, uh, back in two, the end of 2012, I knew that I was going into a new age group and that I would swim at the, um, uh, that I I may well be able to have an attack on a couple of the 100 and 200 breaststroke rec world records. So I said to Ada, um, would she take me on uh, for that purpose? And uh, I love coaches. They're so, each has their own idiosyncratic way. She said, I am training with this. I have a squad training at Melbourne High. You come on Thursday night and I will look at you. <laughs> if you like it, you can stay. So <laughs> I went to Melbourne High and uh, uh, this woman, for those who don't know her, swam for the Soviet Union in the Olympics, to the Lithuanian, and uh, uh, is a very has been a very good swimmer and is a very good coach and suits me because she takes no nonsense. And uh, <laughs> I uh, swam with her and we talked about how we, I should approach it and what we should do and that year I broke the uh, the 100 three times and I broke the 200. Uh, and I've swum with her once a week ever since, uh, as well as swimming with the Marlins, who have an excellent team of coaches and who, uh, who uh, you know, I've been very grateful to over the years. Yes, yeah, it's a it's a unique um a unique club I think around the place. I haven't heard of many others who have a panel of volunteer coaches the way the Marlins do. A lot of other no, clubs and that's funny employ. too because when I came when I came down from Brisbane uh, in the end of nineteen ninety eight and joined the Mar Marlins in nineteen ninety nine, transferring from the Brisbane club, um, I found it very hard to get used to because I'd swum under a single coach in Brisbane and as a kid I'd always swum under a single coach and uh, I couldn't get used to it but the two who were on that morning sessions were Andrea McNeil and Sharon Newstead both excellent coaches and both lovely people and yes. uh, I can remember both of them preparing me because I was going up to Darwin for the Nationals and uh, there were only two of us who went from the Marlins at that stage and I can remember how cross I was with Sharon on that last morning because we'd trained, we'd had a very hard session geared towards the Nationals and then she said, um, you are to do two by 100 with 30 seconds rest and you are doing it hard. And I thought, oh, my God, I can't. And she said, there is nothing wrong, is there? And I said, no. <laughs> and so off I go and I pushed myself for the 100, stopped, and she said, 15, 10, 5, go. And off I went again and I pushed myself again. And at the end of it, I'm coming back, I'm thinking, I hate you, Sharon. <laughs> I don't never gonna do this again. I I hate swimming and all the time I'm pushing and pushing and then I touch. And she said, That was good. That was I said, thank you, hard breathing away. I went up to Darwin <laughs> and uh, the first event was a hundred breast. And the chap who held the national record and had held the world record was my competitor in the age, the, what, the big competitor in the age group, and I beat him. And uh, I uh, broke the national record, and I can remember fear, saying to myself, Sharon Newstead, you beauty. And both, <laughs> I was so happy, for uh, proud of having worked with both Andrea and Sharon on that occasion because they'd pushed me and, they'd, and we'd got the result. Yes, I think they'll both like to hear that. If my memory's right, I bought them each flowers when I got back to Melbourne. Oh, that's very nice. Yeah, that's no, lovely. they were, 
it was a wonderful introduction to the Marlins and to their system of coaches. Yes. Yeah, well, I think it's really a, a good way. I mean, I'm, I'm like you. I came from a background with the one coach and, you know, you put all your trust and you, um, you know, you listen to everything yeah. they say. And it is hard when people have got different styles and they focus on different things. But I think if you look at it in the way that you get something from everyone and put it all together, you'll, you'll end up being a better swimmer. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And yeah, I know the first, we... ten, Sorry, uh, you I go. Say the first 10 years I was down here, I, um, I joined that panel of coaches and it was, it was a good experience for me. Uh, it's, uh, it's in recent years, I think after I had the knee or maybe before that I just found that, that uh, there were, you know, I, I needed my time to concentrate on swimming um, always happy. I, I mean, I can remember oh, coaching um, oh, a couple of people at one stage who were preparing for something. I I know there, there were a couple preparing for Perth for the Worlds that um, I had a little squad. And usually there are a couple of people who, are, if we're going somewhere, to prepare, we'll prepare together, you know, on the off off swimming days, and yes. especially, I know that uh, before. Oh, before we went to Gothenburg, and before we went to um, Guangzhou, that uh, John Stanton and I have usually trained together, or more recently, John Stanton, John Cox, and I. Uh, it's a matter of just picking up on little things that you normally don't have time to, uh, and particularly drills, because I'm a, I'm a great believer in drills and the, perhaps because I like doing drills because, they're, you know, <laughs> to me, they, they're, 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 you're not pressing yourself, you're, not, you're just pressing yourself to work hard and do the drill well and no one's out there measuring how well you do the drill and there's no time on it. Yes. But I do like, I, I like drills and I think as a, as a coach I'd always have swimmers doing drills. Yeah, I think that's um, it's such a valuable thing. And I, I think sometimes, especially during our lockdown when we had only the 45 minutes in the water, it was really hard yeah. to get those kind of things into your session. Like I, I like a long, sort of a long warm-up, sort of 1K warm-up. But yes. you, don't, you didn't get that in the 45 minutes. And I think that's the, the beauty with swimming for an hour or an hour and a half. You get the drills, the warm-up, the cool-down. <laughs> Yeah, well, the the thing, particularly as you get older, um, I've found that I need a longer warm up uh, because there is a point. I, you know, you go in the first three hundred, my shoulders and my arms are hurting because I'm normally doing those first three hundred freestyle, and they're aching, and there's a little person on your back who's saying, "Get out! You don't want to swim today. See, it's hurting." You know, and that little person's in your rear and telling you to stop and, oh, I can't breathe and it's telling you all these nasty things. But I know that if I keep going, there'll be a point at about 500 where it's stopped and you're, just, you're not feeling those things again. You're just your normal self swimming. So uh, I always say to people, do as long as warm-up as you can, particularly in training, and get through that first 300 or to 500 when that nasty little person is telling you you don't feel well or you're aching and you want to yes. get out <laughs> because <laughs> it happens to all of us. <laughs> it does. It does happen to all of us. <laughs> I know we, we got off on a little bit of a tangent, but I was going to ask you what your, what your favourite um, FINA race was out of all the FINA world champs you've been to. What was your favourite one or what was the one you did best at, do you think? Uh, it has to be the very first win. You see, I'd swam at, uh, I have swam at eight World FINA World Masters Championships and the uh, first, well, as, as I say, at Sheffield, hooray, I got 10th, I got a medal, like a finalist medal. And yes. uh, from then I swam at uh, Casablanca and uh, did well, but you know, 
third, fourth, and fifth don't, you know, win the lollies. But, you know, I was happy. That was pretty good, you know, because uh, I had all these medals around my neck, most of them for being a finalist. Um, then uh, the same at Riccioni in Italy and at Christchurch I uh, tore my um, adductor, which is a breaststroke problem, and I did it again before I went to Riccioni. So, uh, you know, I was... And at Riccioni, it was um, hard. I'd, the physios and I had, and the coach had decided that I could really only swim one event. So I had all, I went all out in the 100, turned in front and then uh, felt the adductor go again and oh. so slowed down. So finished close, for, you know, in the racehorse parlance, you know, a, a neck away fourth, you know, that was just uh, bad luck. But yeah. then came Perth, you know, it was in Australia. All the Marlins were there, all our chums. And uh, I was seated first in the 50 breast from a very wonderful Japanese swimmer who won the 100 and 200 at that meet and who I, I know quite well. Uh, but in the 50, um, I had led from the start and finished a second or so ahead at the finish and I that was my first podium finish and it was gold oh, and I was God. just so pleased and proud and the Marlins were all overjoyed and you know it was just wonderful and you know I'll never forget that elation um yes there was a bit of a downer on the f the last day because I finished first in the 200 fly and uh, for various reasons, which I still don't to this day understand, I was disqualified. Um, oh. And I can remember after, after almost an hour's discussion with me and with a supporting official from Australia and with the referees, uh, I, I said, look, I'm not taking it any further. There will be no formal appeal. You've talked to me. You've heard me out. But I don't know whether I'd feel the same if I hadn't won the gold earlier in the week. And then yes. that was that. But in my mind, in my black-hearted mind, I know I won the 200 fly. <laughs> yes, we know you won. <laughs> so, so, so I don't know whether that, that non-win is one of the most important because, it's you know, it's a quite an unusual thing to win or whether that first one. But the first one is the one that I remember and yes. I'm so proud of, just as the first world record is the one you remember. Um, yes. That when was uh, What year was your first world record? Was it in uh, 2013. And uh, it was in, yeah. yeah, that was done in Adelaide. No, it wasn't. It was done at MSAC here in Melbourne. Right. And then I broke it again at the Nationals in Sydney and then... Um, my coach and I decided I could break it again and break the two. And so I, um, I, don't, I didn't break the 200 again. So we plotted and schemed and trained and for two months and then I went to Adelaide. Uh, and the first swim, uh, with the two swims in one day, the 200 was the first. And, oh, I was 0.03 outside my own world record. Oh, and I can remember nice. I... I I sent an SMS to the coach, to Aida, and said what had happened. And back came the answer, you still have the 100. <laughs> so, so, you know, no, well done, up your bum or anything, but, you know, you still have the and, uh, She may have said never mind or something, but that was about all. But it was you still have the 100, so That's do it. it. <laughs> That's what's stuck in your Anyhow. mind. <laughs> so I got up on the blocks and I can remember the referee says, do you still want us to, you know, all the time try everything? And I said, oh, no, don't worry. It's, you know, I came for the 200. And he said, oh, look, we'll make sure everything's kosher. So I said, all right, off I go. And I'm feeling well and I turn and I'm still feeling well. I'm hurting, but I'm still feeling well. And yeah. touched, looked up. And I'd taken almost a second off the world record. Oh wow! And that was a very happy swim. That one, 
But um, yes. the one that's always in my mind is that day when I broke a world record and I was one of them. You know, it's a funny yes. feeling. I wasn't just a good another swimmer. I was actually one of them. You yes. know, and that's a funny feeling. Yeah, that's a lovely feeling, I imagine. Yeah, it is. And it's not, you know, I don't go around, well, I hope I don't go around big noting myself and bragging, but, you know, it was a lovely feeling to know, well, I did it. I was one of them. Yes. No, you don't go around saying that, Pat, not at all. You're very <laughs> humble. <laughs> but I think it's lovely for other people to hear um, your story and also to hear how you approach it because you're very outwardly, you know, just lovely gentleman, very quiet, humble, but obviously inside you've got exactly what it takes to not give up and go for those goals and it's lovely to hear that and I think that's a really great thing for people to hear at any age we can be successful if we put our minds to it yeah and that really is the lesson that I would convey to anyone that particularly in this game uh, if you are trained if you are focused then you must plan what you're going to do you're not going to swim well every day you're not going to swim well in every meet but pick a couple, particularly if you're after some object like a good PB or a record or a gold medal, then that's what you're after and everything else is incidental. So, you know, decide what it is, work out how you're going to get there, work out with your coach how you're going to get there and then aim for it. And... You know, you could be like me. You could suffer injury the day before. You could suffer something else. But there will come a day with luck and you need it all, you'll get there. Yeah, I think that's that's a lovely way of thinking about it. Terrific. Now, I always like to ask everyone that comes on the podcast what their favourite all-time swimming set is. So what is it that you like to do? What's your go-to set? If you had oh, I think I'd, I'll have a, a set of 100 IMs any day. That's oh, the one because because it's, uh, and particularly if it comes late in the session, you're warmed up, you're ready to approach it seriously and to swim good stroke swimming, good neat swimming, uh, and to hit the turn, come back. And particularly if you were training in a 25-metre pool, it's very good because you can hit all those turns. Uh, and if there's a fair, a good enough rest in between the hundreds, then you can take each of them uh, in a, a wholehearted way. It doesn't have to be fast swimming, but it, it has to be good swimming. And yes. uh, that's, uh, that's for me is the one. And if it isn't that, uh, I'll take any day a a drill set of breaststroke, two kicks, one pull, you know. <laughs> ah, yeah. yes. That's, that's my, uh, that's a bit like my default. If there is any time, if I'm swimming on my own, you know, I go in on the off day because I, I just feel the need for a swim or I feel the need to, to tidy up something, I'll find myself doing two kicks, one pull, with no breath. I mean, you have a breath when you come up for the for the pull, but you know you you head down for the two kicks, and uh, you just find yourself relaxed and happy and concentrating on snapping those legs together and bringing them up and gliding through the water and lifting yourself out of it and feel. Oh, that's another thing, Daniel, to feel good about yourself. And in that drill, that's one, when I do the pull to come up, I think, oh, yeah, I'm not bad, you know. And you think, I'm, a, I'm good at this. And that's very important. That's very, very important. Yes, I think so. Definitely. I wanted to uh, um, thank you. Oh, sorry. You go. Just one, one small anecdote, not as yes, long please. as the others. Uh, I do yoga, as I've said, and 
early days uh, after the heart attack, we had a wonderful yoga teacher who, um, uh, an Iyengar yoga teacher, so you hold the poses for quite a bit. And I can remember her saying, you know, there you'd be in warrior one, warrior two or something, and your arms are aching and she'd say, remember, it is just a passing sensation. And then she'd relieve you out of it and you'd go, oh. <laughs> I can remember swimming. Uh, I, I was, must have been a national. It was serious anyhow, 100-metre breaststroke. And I go down, did it all right, turn, feeling all right, but I'm starting to hurt. Everything's going well, but it's hurting. Oh, dear, is it hurting. And I get back to about 25 to go and I suddenly thought of... Uh, hurt the young woman and I said to myself it's just a passing sensation it's just a passing <laughs> sensation you're nearly there you're nearly there it's a passing sensation touch you know and I thought things like that you need to do too you need to have some tricks where you can take your mind off how hard it is on those last 25 meters and divert your attention to something else. Nowadays, I count strokes when I'm coming back on the second lap because right. I know where I should be at 25, where I should be at 37 and a half, and from there on you go for it. But yes. you, it's important to have some little tricks to convince yourself you're going well, but also to convince yourself that you've got a, you've got a trick that can stop it hurting too badly. I think that's great. Are. That's great advice. Yeah, great anecdote <laughs> to finish up on. <laughs> All right. I wanted to, I wanted to thank you so much, Pat, for coming on the podcast today and sharing your wonderful stories with us. I think everyone will very much enjoy listening to um, everything you've had to say today. Well, I've enjoyed chatting, and I usually say if I've been boring, telling people tales, just boring you to death with my tales, but. I, I <laughs> love swimming and I, and I love talking about it. Same, exactly the same. And I'm so pleased we got to hear from you today. So thank you so much, Pat. Take care. Yep, you too, Danielle. And go well. Bye-bye. Okay. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for listening in today. We hope you're enjoying our podcast here at Torpedo Swim Talk. Don't forget to subscribe at Apple or Spotify so you never miss an episode. Like, rate, share and spread the word. Till next time, goodbye and happy swimming.